Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 248 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and this week, we really do have a small cast. Krim is actually gone this week. Not the, like, surprising kind of gone, where he appears halfway through the podcast, because I only thought he was gone. Uh, so no Krim this week, he was out doing a Card Kingdom event, but we do have the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. What's going on today, Richard? Hey Seth, it's all a big ruse. Krim is actually here. He's just a 3-3 elk. (laughs) Oh, man. What isn't a 3-3 elk these days? I think uh, our topics for today probably going to involve a little bit of Oko talk. We want to talk about Standard. We want to talk about Pioneer. We want to talk about Brawl. Uh, All formats on some level, that have been uh, elk-ified, I would say. And then also, of course, answer your fish mail. So that's our plan for today. All different formats, all different topics. Before we jump into it, a super quick reminder that our show today is brought to you by SpikesAcademy.com, and they're presenting a new limited course with Hall of Famer Ben Stark. And in this course, Ben will teach you how to build better draft and seal decks and how to evaluate cards in limited. So get ready to crush your next pre-release event with Spikes Academy and the new limited course from Ben Stark. You can even use the code GOLDFISH to get a 5% discount at SpikesAcademy.com today. So thank you to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. And now, Richard, let's talk some magic. Let's start with Standard. Uh, first off, have you been playing any Standard uh, recently? Oh, yeah. I played at least, I'm going to say, like, five hours of Standard this weekend, and that was, like, maybe six matches. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I, I know everything there is to know about Standard, guys. You just uh, make some elk. Block with your elk. When your elk gets killed, you uh, you make more elk. Uh, oh, oh, oh. So remember last week we were talking with Krim, and Krim tried to soothe us with his Teferi talk and his uh, and his uh, oh control decks can now take care of uh, can take care of Oko because you know you don't have to deal with Field of Dead. Turns out, Seth, there's a one mana spell. <laughs> One mana spell is standard that gives your things hexproof, including spells. So when they like pay three mana to destroy your planeswalker, you laugh at them with your one mana counter and you're like, okay. I think someone pointed out that green right now in standard has uh, the best card draw in Hydroid Crosses, has the best planeswalker in Oko, it has the best counter spell in Veil of Summer, it has the best ramp. Literally, like any category of card green has the best option in standard right now the best finishers card draw counter spells it's really insane and uh, i haven't really been playing too much standard but i've been keeping up on standard and they had the big arena mcq this weekend and the numbers are pretty nuts i think the top 10 most played cards were all green cards uh, there were more forests than all other basic lands combined in the tournament noxious grasp was in 40 percent ish of the decks that made day two and still despite that Oko was in almost 70% of the decks and 11 of the top 16 decks were Oko decks it is pretty insane I don't know if I in my entire time of like playing magic and making content maybe Cawblade but I don't know if I ever remember a time where one card has so thoroughly dominated a standard format you know what this reminds me of Hogak like literally like two months ago like (laughs) When people, so, so we, we're not just like talking out of a small sample size. We're talking from the Mythic Championship seven qualifier weekend. It's all, all Oko. And the new hotness is to go Saltai. Uh, you know, you might as well so throw can, in some Vraskas because you don't need to deal with Field of Dead anymore, right? So you might as well throw some Vraskas, Mask Your Girls. And more importantly, 
main deck Noxious Grasp. You know you're in a healthy format <laughs> when you're main decking Noxious Grasp. This exactly looks like Hogak when people were main decking Graveyard Hate. They're like, you know, doesn't matter, right? We're playing four Ley Lines main deck because that's what it is. And, Looking at the uh, MCQW, yeah. one, one, one more fact drop. 90% of the decks were playing Veil of Summer. <laughs> That's 51%, 52% of decks were playing Noxious Grasp. 60% of decks were playing Disdainful Stroke. Uh, Once Upon a Time in 75% of decks, Nissa in 70, Oko in 67. So, uh, Field of the Dead unbanned? Yeah. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's gotten way, way worse. Way, way worse. There's no rock, paper, scissors, right? It's like, my rock is Oko. Your. <laughs> Your paper is uh, winning the die I, I roll. Know. No, no, <laughs> mystical dispute, right? <laughs> and my scissors is a uh, veil of summer. Like that—that's what it is right now, right? Oh, that's that is uh, a little bit depressing, but actually very true and very concerning. Like, I yes, it's like not a huge sample size in terms of time. It's only been a couple of weeks since we've been having, like, Mythic Championships, but a lot of matches have been played, and this is seeming pretty consistent across Arena, across Paper Tournaments. Uh, I'm very concerned. We have a Pro Tour in two weeks? Two weeks from uh, this past weekend, we will have a Pro Tour, a Mythic Championship featuring Standard. What do you think they do about that, Richard? Like, do you think... Is there any chance that they're going to actually do some sort of emergency banning? Or are we just in for the greenest of Pro Tours in the history of Magic? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know how they're going to spin it. Like, how are they going to hide all the Okos like, <laughs> off the feature match area? Like, I think this is it. This is standard. <sighs> emergency ban? Like, again? <laughs> like, get rid of Oko? I mean, I, I do think this is kind of exactly... When we when we analyze the Mythic Championship itself and talked kind of about looking at the data, looking at the bannings, this was basically what our worst-case scenario was. If you, like, look back at that article, it was like, please don't just ban Field of the Dead because there's a real risk. It becomes, like, a one-deck format with the, like, Simic package just dominating, and we were hopeful that maybe that wouldn't happen. Krim was hopeful. Maybe Esper could take care of it or whatever, but it's looking more and more like... The the worst case scenario has happened and i don't know like how do you get people to watch that pro tour like what like how does that even work if it really is like 70 percent of the decks being oko decks and 90 percent being green decks like is that appealing for anyone to watch forget watching like who's gonna play this format like <laughs> i hate mid-range mirrors that go forever right at least with aggro decks you know like say we're in uh Hazaret red mirror metagame someone is dead in 10 minutes it's done right control control mirrors yeah they take a bit you know 10 15 minutes to ramp up but then there's like a giant turn and then someone is dead these oko mirrors go forever you know what i learned today seth you can time out on magic arena <laughs> like I, I was playing I, it must have been like i don't know 40 minutes or something and then i just lost and i'm like what <laughs> i didn't run out of time what happened and i looked there was actually a timer so in addition to the rope <laughs> yeah. there's a timer because you went too long making elk and you just run out of time like i was like wow that's something new i 
I think that uh, <laughs> Willie and Elf that was from Nexus of Fate, right? That's I think I think that's where it came from. I vaguely remember. It this. was it was to stop the the Nexus loop. So it is technically possible to time out. I think I've done it once or twice. I can't remember what I was playing, but it is pretty rare and hard to do. I think Willie Adele was playing the MCQ, and he said it was one of the worst experiences of his life. He almost <laughs> dropped it two in one. All of his matches took almost an hour. Sideboard cards in the main deck. It sounds like exactly like everyone is having this experience. This is isn't just like your experience everyone is kind of like saying the same thing about the format there was also uh nerd rage games runs a tournament series kind of similar to the scg tournament series i think it's more like in the midwest and not as big as scg but they were supposed to have one of their 5k opens in madison this weekend in standard and uh it looks like they're canceling it because two players signed up for their for their standard 5k uh so they're gonna have to actually cancel their event when they normally have like hundreds of players at these things uh so yeah i think if there's anything that makes wizards react quickly to this it's gonna be stuff like that like if we've seen before like when they change to two rotations a year or some other bannings if attendance starts to drop that's when wizards gets very antsy and often like does make a change really quickly so that would be the only thing i could think like if they see less people are playing arena they see 5ks are not firing because people are not showing up to play standard that might be something that gets uh gets the format shakeup to happen yeah, that's a good point, because Oko is a pretty expensive card. Uh, what is Oko right now? Oko is 50-plus paper, $85 <laughs> on Moto. People are not willing to buy this deck because, you know, it could be banned, right? It could be banned. The reason it's so expensive, which we'll talk about in a second, is it's a multi-format all-star <laughs> in Brawl and Historic, as or not Historic, uh, Pioneer as well. So people are hesitant to buy into this deck that they think will get the ban hammer. And if you're not playing Oko, like you're not winning. So it's like pretty hard to show up to an event, right? So I don't know, like they're going to have to do something. I feel this is way worse than Field of the Dead. Like way, way worse. At least with Field of the Dead, we had two decks. Your Field of the Dead deck could fight against the Oko deck. But now it kind of really feels like we're down to one deck. I know Modern isn't one of our big topics for today uh we're focusing on like pioneer and brawl and standard but i think someone said between the mcqs the scg modern open and the scg modern classic 15 of the 24 decks were playing oko and that's 16 of those decks are modern decks like oko is just dominating literally across formats i don't think like can you think of anything that compares to this like has there ever been a card that is so thoroughly dominated every i guess it also like won the treasure cruise yeah like it is this is historic (laughs) i think we're talking we're talking get probe treasure cruise dig through time and uh what's the counter spell the one mana counter spell the free counter spell oh mental misstep yeah mental misstep like that's what that's what we're talking about right this card that's just in every format that's like so good that's oko right I, I, I can't think of a planeswalker. Even like three fairy is not that ubiquitous. Like Liliana the Veil wasn't even that good in standard. Yeah, like creature. I don't know. Like noble hierarch. I don't know. <laughs> like what creature like stacks up to this? Right. Yeah, I don't think we've really seen anything like this with a planeswalker before. Uh, pretty amazing, really. So, what do you think happened with Oko? That was the other question I wanted. Like, 
with it being as dominant as it is, and us, like, seeing now how dominant it was, I guess, like, in Wizards' defense, when they first spoiled Oko, it was kind of, like, eh, okay, like, maybe this is fine, but it wasn't like, oh my god, this is the most broken card of all time. How did Oko, like, get out the door? What do you think happened there? Uh, that, that middle ability, the plus one, I think if it was a minus one, like, Oko would probably be fine. Like, the ridiculousness where your opponent plays, let's say, a one-drop, and then a creature, and you you just empty board Oko, Elk, you take only four damage, and you live with one loyalty, right? Like how, like, how is this a thing, right? Like, you should have to choose. If you want to use your removal spell, your planeswalker should be vulnerable. It should die, but Oko still goes up to five using removal, goes up to six if the board is empty. So I think there's just way too much loyalty, like... Uh, what, what's 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 our uh, red hoser? The uh, oh, fry, fry, yeah, fry does five get damage. It. <laughs> doesn't doesn't even kill Oko. Right? Nope. You're like, what is this? <laughs> right? Like, uh, oh, that feels bad. So, if they were gonna try to fix this problem, what do you think they do? Do you think there's any chance they actually just are like, okay, we gotta ban Oko. We know it's expensive. We know it was like the face card of our newest set, but we just we gotta bite the bullet and do it. Or do you think we're more likely to see the like? nibble around the edges like oh we're gonna ban nissa and hydroid crosses or we're gonna ban gilded goose mm. and abriel gazer or something and try to like power down oko by taking out other cards i think oko needs to ban but my 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 bigger concern is how are they going to fix this going forward like this i think oko is a product of magic arena like we play games so fast now that the metagame gets broken so quickly and they can't fix it, right? Normally in a, in a video game, what you do is you have like a beta release, right? Like you have a beta release of Eldraine, people play it for a month and then uh, you patch it up, you tweak the numbers and then you release it balanced. But we can't do this because of paper because they have to print the cards in advance. Everything has to be set in stone and you're basically relying on the team at Wizards. No matter how good they are, they're going to have misses and then this happens. And you can't do an emergency patch. You can't do anything. All you can do is ban the face card of your new set, right? And that feels bad. So I don't know how they're going to fix this going forward because they've kind of mashed digital and paper into like the same bucket. And what people do to fix the, the digital versions can't work here because it's going to break paper. So, yeah, that I don't is know, right. <laughs> I don't know what Wizards is going to do, right? Maybe just make it Magic Arena only and then you can have a balanced game, right? Otherwise, deal with all this broken stuff and super slow reaction because of paper. Yeah, that is a big issue, really, with how Wizards has to handle stuff like this compared to other similar games. Uh, I mean, I think... When we had Kaladash and all the brokenness of Kaladash, one of the uh, kind of things to come out of that, I guess, was the play design team. And the last year of Standard before Rotation was actually really good. And there was a lot of, uh, I think, feeling in the community that, like, okay, maybe play design solve these problems. And now with this new team, like, we're not going to have these issues before. But as you said, like... Even with play design, what do you have, 30 people working on magic or something, and then you have millions of people that are trying to break cards? No matter who you hire and how good they are at designing cards, this stuff is going to happen, and I don't know how Wizards reacts to it either. Like, maybe they just ban things more aggressively, but then that leads to all kind of feel-bads where people have $200 worth of Okos, and suddenly they're worthless, or worth a lot less at least... So I don't know what Wizards does about this. I don't know if there is anything they can do about it. You can't 
aim intentionally low on all your cards or your game's going to be boring and people, you know, people don't want to just play powered down magic all the time because you're being safe. But then if you push things, you run into the risk of this happening. So I don't know. I am glad I am not in wizard's position dealing with stuff like this. Yeah, they're having they're having a fun time right now. But I think part of the other problem is just the the power level of planeswalkers. Like, I, I feel like this one person wrecking crew like you get this down and you win like it just snowballs uncontrollably out of the game right like if you don't answer it right then and there and in the case of oko you can't even answer it right then and there right because the traditional answer is just have creatures and then attack them right but you attack into like six loyalty and you can't get it done and they untap and then it snowballs so i i don't know like maybe just power down Planeswalker. Remember, remember the time when like Shiv and Dragon was the face of magic instead of Planeswalkers. Like maybe we got to go back to like creature centric, as weird as that sounds, instead of these like really pushed cards. I think especially with uh, lower mana cost Planeswalkers. I think we've seen some really, but like Chandra, uh, six mana Chandra. That's a really powerful card. Six mana Liliana. That's a really powerful card. Uh, But you can get away with that if it costs six mana. But cards like Oko and I think even, like, Royal Scions is pretty pushed. Uh, we don't see it as much in Standard, because it doesn't synergize as well, and it's kind of overshadowed by Teferis and Okos. But that's another really good card. Teferi is another one, so I think Wizards maybe needs to be extra careful if they're printing Planeswalkers in, like, the three-mana range, and then maybe, like, focus that power more on, like, the big, splashy, like, five- and six-mana Planeswalkers. Yeah, I mean, I think it's time for Fatal Push for Planeswalkers. Right. If you have three CMC planeswalkers, I should have a one CMC answer. Uh, because even though I net two mana, like you net whatever ability your planeswalker gave you. So it's kind of balanced because right now, if they Oko, you murderous rider, you're like, you, you just match them, but you're far behind. Uh, you know, you're behind one ability, either an elk or food. But if you like didn't match them, you lost the game. Right. So that trade off is not fair. Uh, so having three mana planeswalker removal is, is tough, right? So maybe it's time for the one mana planeswalker removal, which would make your six mana planeswalker super unplayable. <laughs> but I, I don't know how they would fix this, right? Because right now, like say Garrick, Curse Hunter, un- unplayable. Six mana dies to murderous rider so slow. I can just have the same thing in a three mana body. And if my three mana planeswalker lives three turns till I get to six CMC, it's probably done just as much as damage as Garrick would do anyway. So like, you know, there's no point for the higher CMC planeswalkers. So everyone goes to the low CMC planeswalkers and then we can't answer them. So and maybe Doomblade is fair. We don't have a Doomblade currently, right? Like Dreadbore was the only thing we ever had, and that was sorcery speed. Yeah, we don't have a Doomblade. We don't have a Fatal Push. Although even there, there's still like the problem that what is it? Just Black that gets to do this? Then does everyone just like have to play Black so they have a chance to answer the really push Planeswalkers? Yes, and then you and then you <laughs> you veil of summer. <laughs> The other problem, I, I, I've I always hated these hoser cards. You and Krim love them, but I'm like, like why? Why do we... Need, like, the colors naturally hose each other. Like, we don't need these explicit things. And then they're great when they're wielded for good, but then sometimes they're wielded for evil. Yeah, Veil of <laughs> Summer like, oh, might we'll be. use Force of Will. We'll, we'll use Force of Will to police the combo decks. And the combo decks were like, okay, we'll play Force of Will too. <laughs> right? Like, that's what's happened here, right? Yeah, I think that is true. I think... I actually still think most of those hate cards were pretty, were pretty 
reasonable. Like, Noxious Grasp, uh, Fry, even Ether Gust. I think those were all, like, kind of where you want them to be, but for some reason they kind of broke the mold with Veil of Summer and made it one mana when the rest of them are two mana. And being one mana, I think, is a huge difference. And it comes with the best upside of cantripping, and it makes it so easy to play Veil of Summer in your deck, because worst case, you're like, okay, maybe I don't need this. I can still cycle it away. Like, it's really hard for it to be a bad card in your sideboard, and that's another one that I see showing up modern, even legacy to some extent. So so they might have aimed a bit high with Veil of Summer in specific. I mean, it's a two-for-one that cycles when you don't need it. <laughs> like, it's way better than, say, Fry, which is like a one-for-one, one, right? And doesn't so, even kill Oko. <laughs> it doesn't kill Oko. It's like a zero for it's a one. zero for like, one oh, at this oops. point, yeah. <laughs> well, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's so, someone, someone has an agenda at Watsi to make green the greatest color of all time, <laughs> and they're succeeding. <laughs> we need to find this person <laughs> and get them out because <laughs> green just does everything now. It's actually like, and that's been going on for a little while. I remember talking about that back during. Uh, maybe Shadows Over Innistrad when we had like Tireless Trackers, Courser of Crewfix, and we're like, oh my god, green is like better at drawing card or like generating card advantage than blue is. Like, this is really weird. And that trend is just kind of like continued. And now we're to the point where green, as part of its color pie, gets the best creatures, which is good. Like, that is what uh, green should be able to do. But then when you back that up with the best card advantage and the best counter spell and all that stuff, ugh, it becomes maybe they expanded green's part of the color pie a little bit too much. Like, I know it was underpowered traditionally, but I think they maybe have, like, swung the pendulum a bit too far in the other direction, and now green is... Uh, there's not much of a downside to being a green deck these days. Yeah. Well, let's move on to uh, a more happy format, I think. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Pioneer. So Pioneer was only announced a week ago. We are just now getting our first Moto deck list. I have been shocked at how hyped this format is. I, I think I was telling you this before the cast. We've had over 13,000 users submitted decks uh, to Goldfish in the past week for the Pioneer format, which uh, isn't is a staggering amount. Like, when you compare that to a format like maybe modern, there's around 200,000, but that's over the course of five years. So just the outpouring of support from the community has been absolutely massive. But Richard, have you actually got to play any Pioneer? I know that was our big question last week. Like, yes, people seem hyped for this format, but how does it actually play? Yeah, I played a ton of leagues. So after my disdain for for Standard, <laughs> I went ahead and sleeved up Oko and Pioneer. <laughs> <laughs> because oh, uh, I had a reason. I'm like, okay, I don't want to deal with Etherworks Marvel. Well, Oko deals with Etherworks Marvel. <laughs> but anyway, I played. I actually played five or six different decks, and uh, in, in Richard fashion, I went three and two in every single league, playing various <laughs> mid range incarnations across various archetypes and colors. So I actually feel format's pretty balanced like it feels like modern in the sense that you can bring any pile of reasonable cards and do well and when you sit down against your opponent it feels like anything can happen and i didn't really run into a deck that i was like wow this deck is like so far and above every other deck like the only deck i was thinking that felt like that was uh maybe phoenix uh because they get to play so many broken cards but other than that like you know 
I sit down, point and place favorite hoplite. I'm like, what? One mana, one, two, right? <laughs> and then proceeds to like smash my face. Like, oh yes, I remember heroic. I remember how this went. The stupid one mana, one, two is now like a five, six. And like, I cannot deal with it at all. And then next game you play against mono blue devotion uh, or tempo, which I think is also one of the better decks. Uh, you get like the, the Tempest Dejin, you get Thassa, you get Master Waves, you, you get all of those cards added to the mono blue deck we had. Uh, then you, you just play into nostalgic decks, right? Someone goes uh, infinite turns, you're like, wow, that's BS, I remember this, Nexus of Fate. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, there's some weird archetypes. Uh, oh, what, what is that flare? The, the thing that you six mana delve and then it gets abilities of things. Oh, Soul Flare, Soul yeah. A lot of Soul Flare decks I ran into online for some reason. People love that archetype. Uh, but there's like so many decks. It is a pretty decks. cool archetype. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. Like, it has been super diverse. And even the things I've been really scared of, I still think maybe like some of the Delve spells, Treasure Cruise, Dig Through Time, like those might need to get banned. But one of the combos I was most afraid of was Copycat. And I played against Copycat a few times now. And I think it's a good deck, but I don't think it's like breaking the format. If you look through, they had the first challenge results posted. They had the the first Pioneer challenge. And I think there were maybe two uh, copycat decks that made the top eight. There was actually more Phoenix decks. I think Phoenix yeah. took three of the top eight spots. And then there's just random, like, Saltai mid-range piles with Okos and uh, random Planeswalkers, Lilianas and Veraskas and Corsair of Crufixes and Jaces. So it, it does feel like you can kind of do everything. And... It is very nostalgic, as you mentioned, uh, which is really sweet. And it's a lot cheaper, at least so far, even with the price spikes. Like, it feels like more accessible modern uh, to a large extent where people can actually like try out different things whenever I like build a deck in the format most of the time like I put it together I'm like wow it's only like 300 bucks I- I'm used to see like <laughs> building a deck and it's like <laughs> I was like what? building decks I'm like wow this is disgusting why is this like a $500 deck I'm like it's just like a pile of random garbage right like I guess I'm used to modern where I build a deck and it's like oh 800 bucks 1200 I mean, bucks or something like that so. pretty fast so, so so here are the differences I find from modern. Mana is like terrible <laughs> in Pioneer. Yes. So you are stuck to basically two color decks. Uh, so three color decks are a real challenge. Even two color decks, if you have any double costs or something, like they're challenging. Uh, like if you play Field of the Dead in your two mana, or not Field of the Dead, uh, Field of Ruin in your two color deck, like you can actually screw up your mana pretty badly. So it's actually pretty bad. Uh, Deathrite Shaman is terrible. Don't try it. Uh, dig through time treasure cruise not that good outside of phoenix because phoenix naturally dumps stuff into the graveyard uh, so decks that do that can use it but you can't it's not like modern of old where just any deck can play four treasure cruise or whatever because you don't have fetch lands powering your graveyard uh, so you don't have that uh, but phoenix deck gets to do all of this so that's why i think phoenix deck is actually one of the strongest decks um, but yeah i think those two things uh graveyard like just the hate cards in general are still pretty strong, but we don't have too many crazy like graveyard strategies or things like that. Or like artifact strategies. Like I, I feel they're not that crazy. Like hardened scales is a deck, uh, but I don't know. Like I don't. I feel like I don't need a shatterstorm or anything. I feel they're all pretty manageable because the decks are a bit slower. You can interact with them. There's Oko to take care of them. Uh, <laughs> I. 
I think that's maybe like the most exciting part about this format for me is it's a format that has the diversity of modern, but at the same time, you don't sit down thinking, okay, am I going to like get a matchup where I just die on turn three? Like it's kind of, it's kind of the diversity that you have in modern combined with the speed that's more standard ish, Mm -hmm. where you actually get to like play magic for several turns. And it feels like in most matchup, at least that the decisions you make matter, the car that you play actually matter, which I think I'm even more hyped for this format now that I've actually got to play it. Like, I liked it on paper when we were podcasting last week and it was just announced, but now that I've gotten to play it, I love this format. I've been, like, pandemonic and revisiting all these old things, and it actually feels practical. Like, I don't think I'm breaking the format with pandemonic but I can, like, legitimately build a pandemonic deck and expect that I'm probably going to get to cast my pandemonic and maybe even a couple things after the pandemonic and that's not something that happens in formats like Modern, and it's got like I think the first league dump was 120 different decks, uh, which is that's insane. We've been talking about how standard is a one deck meta. Pioneer is very much the opposite, and it's partly because things are fresh, the meta hasn't solidified. But I'm still very hopeful that even as uh, the format kind of grows and uh, is played more in the meta game becomes more stable, I still think that it might maintain that like modern esque feeling where if you play a bunch of like reasonable cards you can go and win games with whatever deck you feel like yeah i i I think that is what convinced me this will be a legitimate format like we saw all the hype you know but we've had formats with hype before but the nostalgic aspects of this format like you know we know that magic is kind of big as big as it's ever been but most players have come in in the last five years like maybe after return to ravnica i think was the the big surge or innistrad somewhere around there so all of these players get to experience all this nostalgia which is boosting up the format like i can't even be mad when my opponent like does some like stupid bs that kills me because i'm like ah cute deck i remember this like good for you for getting it done right like good for you for cheesing me with that one card you know like legitimately feel like that right so it feels good right you're like oh that's a cool deck you managed to make it work and i feel like the decks are powerful enough that even though there will be let's say the top four archetypes or something eventually, right? When the metagame is solved, you'll have like the best decks. It'll be like standard or not standard. It'll be like modern where there are the best decks, but this one guy comes in with Merfolk over the past like seven years, no matter what (laughs) happens. And he still has like a pretty good chance of like beating you, right? So I I think that part of it is what will make it successful. And I feel like it's, from what I've seen so far, it's pretty good. Nothing seems too crazy, and if something is crazy, like maybe they ban the delve cards or something. But oh, feels good. Yeah, it uh, it does. It does feel really good, and. I think it's, uh, I mean, and it's still early. The format's been up for like, it's been announced for a week now, but I'm actually starting to get a little bit nervous about modern, in all honesty. Like, it, even just looking at card prices, uh, if you look at like modern card prices, cards that are being hyped and seeing play in Pioneer are spiking. But then the more interesting part is a lot of the top losers are just like legit modern staples, uh, stone forges and fetch lands and Liliana's and fast lands and surgical extraction and mox opals like it kind of feels like people are maybe at least some people are maybe selling out of modern and buying into pioneer and if the format continues to be as much fun as uh, we've been having with it 
I think that trend might continue, and I think a year or two from now, we might actually be in a spot where Pioneer is what Modern has been for the last two or three years or five years or whatever, and maybe Modern is what Legacy has developed into, where you get a you know a few GPs, you got leagues on Magic Online. Do you, do you see that happening, Richard? Do you think Pioneer is going to overtake Modern? I think it will eventually. Uh, the question is, does that happen like next year, or does it happen like four years from now? I don't know. I, I think it depends on how... How good modern is because modern's been in a lot of trouble recently and it's all, it all comes from standard, right? Like I've never seen so much modern movement in my life, but because every standard set has so much power in it, like every time there's a new standard set, it affects modern, right? So modern's been in turmoil and things have been shifting a lot, which is kind of not what you want for your non-rotating format. You kind of want it to be like stable, reliable. Um, but I don't know. Depends how prices shake up. Depends if people like. So c- today we complain about blood moons and ensnaring bridges and Carns, right? Like one, one the archetypes of Pioneer come out. How how okay are you with it? Like if it's still turn three Oko and Pioneer, <laughs> are you going to be okay with that? Right? I, I think that's the question, right? Like how bad does it feel when you play against matches you don't want to? And, you know, will we complain about copycat or dig through time, things like that? Yeah, I think the question is going to be, like, hopefully it's, like, modern, where, like, sure, maybe there's a matchup that's really annoying, but if the best deck is 10% of the metagame, like it traditionally has been in modern, then, like, whatever. Sure, you play some deck that you hate, what, 1.5 times over the course of a GP? I think most people can deal with that, and I think that's why modern tends to be so beloved, is even when there's a really miserable deck, chances are it's a, a relatively small portion of the meta compared to standard, where when you have the best deck, it can be 40%, or as we saw this past weekend, Oko pushing 70% of the metagame, so you're, like, dealing with that over and over and over again. So that, I think that's my biggest hope, is that the best decks are close enough to the rest of the field that it's kind in that maybe 8 to 15% range for the top decks in the format, uh, and there's a bunch of decks that are in, like, the 5% range, similar to, like, what we've seen in Modern, because I think that by itself uh, makes for just a really fun format, because you're playing different things all the time, seeing all these different things, and even if something's miserable, you don't have to play against it that often. So, so what are some of your Pioneer highlights from the weekend? Ooh, uh, so... I've mostly over the weekend uh, been playing Panharmonicon decks, and I, I don't want to like get into it too much because there's a video coming out for Against Odds this week of the Pioneer deck, but I think that, uh, or of the Panharmonicon deck in Pioneer, but I think that it's actually like a pretty sweet deck. Charming Prince is, oh man, it is everything <laughs> that I dreamed it would be with Panharmonicon. It's so good. I was able to assemble like the infinite, <laughs> infinite Felidar Guardian combo where two Felidar Guardian combos in Panharmonicon gives you infinite blink, and you untap all your lands, and then you play Agent of Treachery, and then infinitely blink that to steal all your opponent's permanence. So that was definitely like one of uh, one of my Pioneer highlights. What about you? What was uh, the sweetest thing you saw in Pioneer? <laughs> How uh, turn two Oko, turn three Heart of Curin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was that guy. I was like, wait a minute. You mean I have a like a three drop planeswalker with like crazy high loyalty? Like, good thing I have Heart of Curid. Uh, that 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 was hilarious, by the way. <laughs> did did it actually work? I haven't oh, tried yeah. Heart of Curid yet. It's really format. good. Yeah. It's really good. So Smuggler's Copter is really good. Heart of Curid is really good. Um, Oko is really good. Like it deals with all the problematic stuff. Uh, but fun fun stuff. 
uh, I really like uh, mono green. So it's crazy if you take like the last five years of green creatures at every curve, <laughs> you can have a <laughs> lot of power. So I played mono green splash black for Thoughtseize, but there's like uh, experiment one pelt collector. And then at the two drop spot, you have Barkhide Troll, which is a two mana three, three with a plus one plus one counter. And you have Avatar Resolute, which is a two mana three, two. And it enters a battlefield with plus one plus one counters for each creature with a plus one plus one counter. So you can make like a two mana six, five or something. And then at three drop, you have Yorvo, which is a four, four, which gets plus one plus one counters. And you have five, four and Steel Leaf Champion. You also have Ronus, which is indestructible. And then you have Galta, Questing Beast, Pelucranos as your top end. Like, green creatures are really big nowadays. So when you mash them all together, there's a lot of beef in the deck. <laughs> but don't they all just end up elks anyway? Here's the beauty of it. They get plus one, plus one <laughs> counters. So your, your, oh. <laughs> your elk is actually pretty strong. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess that's true. You don't really want to elkify like a uh, Yorvo or yeah. something because it actually makes it bigger. Uh, I think the deck um, is one rancor away from being really good. <laughs> I need some are you playing, Are you playing Aspect of the Hydra? I, I tried like two, but like usually it doesn't matter. Usually your creatures no, are so it's big. It's like either they, they've killed your creatures or you're dead already. Like you really need a, another Thoughtseize. I think if we had Inquisition, it'd be actually a pretty good deck be really good yeah i think one of my favorite parts has been just seeing what everyone else is playing there's been a few like uh blue white monument a deck that like cropped up in standard and i forgot all about it but it's like a cool archetype because you're playing all these cheap things and like making all these tokens it's been really sweet to see green devotion decks come back around they're playing like leyline of abundance with mana dorks into nykthos and then casting like huge crosses yeah. or like dragon lord of tarka and <laughs> just like cards that i i was like oh that's so sweet i remember like that was a cool deck back in the day so the nostalgia factor has been really sweet not just for the decks i've played i've got to play decks that i really like and wanted to revisit but it's been really sweet to see what other people are playing and you kind of mentioned this before like it's kind of hard to even get mad when you lose to it you're like oh man that's like actually pretty cool like we can play Leylight of abundance in devotion now that's like a really neat synergy so maybe that'll wear off as we play the format uh, more but for right now i i've just been loving basically every aspect of pioneer except nexus of fate <laughs> yeah, I remember the hate. I was like, "Look, the opponent is like they got no cards, right?" But then they like hit one off a of Tamio, and then they're like, "Okay, got a runner, runner." They get another one, and then you're like, "Oh, is this possible?" And then they, oh my god! And then I had Deathrite Shaman, and I'm like, "Oh yes, this card doesn't even hit the graveyard for me to exile it, right?" Like this is great. <laughs> what a balanced card, but you, it's fine. You have to, uh, you got to play the the Ugin's Nexus sideboard tech. <laughs> <laughs> but but I do think Phoenix is probably the best deck, and I think it might need to get a ban because everything is so good <laughs> in that deck, and you get to play Treasure Cruise without uh, totally warping your your deck to be bad. Yeah, I think that 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 is something to consider. I mean, I think if you were gonna ban Phoenix, would you probably just uh, go after Treasure Cruise because that's the card that's most likely to be yeah. broken again in the future? Yeah, I, I think it'd be the Delve cards because I think Phoenix itself is not that good, right? But it's like they can. Like they, they play, they basically play a bunch of cantrips and then stuff, but then you have a lot of one drop cantrips that, uh, were not available in the standard version. Uh, so then you, you have all of that going on. And then if, if they bring in graveyard hit, you bring in young pyromancer, 
you're cool, right? And then if they don't have graveyard hate, you're just going nuts and then you can treasure cruise to refill. Treasure cruise only one mana, so you can actually trigger Phoenix off of that too, right? So I feel like you just, they can play the broken cards without being disadvantaged, whereas everyone else can't really take advantage of these broken cards. Uh, before we move on to our last format, which is Brawl, have you played against uh, Copycat much? What is your impression of uh, Copycat? I've played that- zero Copycat and I've played zero Etherworks Marvel. I've had I I've had Emrakul mirrors. <laughs> I've played against Emrakul decks, but no no Marvel decks. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen Marvel either. That was another card I was expecting to do something, and it's not really showing up in the deck list. And I haven't been playing against it, so maybe it's just like not good enough, or people haven't figured it out yet. Uh, Copycat, I have played against uh, quite a bit, and it's not as bad as I thought it would be. Like, there's a lot more answers than there were in standard. You have pithy needles, you have fries, but it feels like. Uh, Maybe it's manageable thanks to just the sideboard options that we didn't have when it was in standard. Also, so. Magic Online. Like I, I, I thought about playing it, but I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and combo <laughs> off with my, <laughs> you know, because if your opponent doesn't scoop, and sometimes they don't have to scoop, right? Sometimes they have an answer. Uh, but I don't want to sit there and click for like five minutes every time I win a game. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that that is a good point as well. Well, let's move on. Last format. Brawl. Have you played any Brawl this weekend, Richard? Yes, I too played Oko in Brawl. <laughs> so little, oh, you were I, one I, of I, those. I, start, I started with Torbrand. Okay, I started with Torbrand. Uh, Torbrand's really bad. <laughs> you don't have enough power to kill people. Uh, so I went 0-3 with Torbrand. I'm like, all right, I'll 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 just leave up some Elk. And then I went uh, 6-0 <laughs> with Oko. <laughs> it just invalidates yeah, I, like whatever the heck they're doing on the other side if they're not playing a planeswalker, right? And if they're playing a planeswalker, your elk can pressure it. So it's like fine. <laughs> Oko's pretty good. I, yeah, I'm I'm kind of amazed Oko wasn't banned in the format, considering Sorceress Spyglass is banned because it shuts down planeswalker commanders. Uh it feels like Oko essentially just does the same thing, and it's in your command zone, uh, but to creature commanders, because uh-huh. you just turn it into an elk, and that is way worse than having your commander killed, yes. because unless you build your deck to, like, bounce it or something, your commander's gone forever. It's just sitting out there <laughs> and and being, like, a pretty useless 3-3, so I kind of feel like Oko should be banned, even though... In my experience, I've been playing uh, Yarok, of course, uh, on brand, uh, in Brawl, and I haven't played against Oko as much as I thought. I saw, like, Cube April tweeting about, like, playing Oko, I don't know, 60, 70% of the time across, like, 20 or 30 Brawl matches. I think I played it, like, twice out of maybe 15 matches, so I I guess I probably just got lucky in Dodge playing Oko all the time, but I thought it was pretty fun. I think... My first seven matches, I ended up going seven and zero, and I played seven different archetypes. I played like Kenrith and Torbrand and Yorvo, uh, Nicole Bola. So my experience was the format was it was actually pretty diverse and pretty fun. But like I said, I think I I got the good end of the variance and dodged uh, all the <laughs> all the Oko matches. Yeah, plus all the standard players have the Oko deck ready to go. So, yeah, I don't know how you dodged it, but I, I, I'm i going to become an Oko specialist so I, I can play Oko in all formats. I'm going to I'm going to be I'm going to join like a team Grand Prix and I'll just play Oko. Like put me in any seat, legacy, standard, modern. I'm fine. <laughs> I got Oko ready. I got Oko. I got a Gilded Goose. Got some tokens. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah. played a lot of Oko uh, against Oko in Brawl. And then I played... I don't know what they were because they were just elk to me. <laughs> like nothing happened. 
yeah. Oh, it's just I so mean, unfair because they can't recast their commander, right? Like it's just stuck there. You're like, I feel bad for you. Should I kill it so you can recast it so you can play <laughs> the game that we're meant to play? Like I felt really dirty. It was like pretty bad. I, yeah, I I think that's something I actually like took into account during deck building a little bit. I think if you're playing uh, Brawl on Arena, because Oko is so popular, stuff that can incidentally, like, pick up your commander, or, uh, like, for example, uh, Blood for Bones is a way you can, like, sacrifice your own uh, commander and get value out of it. Flood of Tears is, like, kind of a wrath that can reset your commander. So I think look for uh, Plague Crafter is another one. You can unalkify your Oko. So I think looking for stuff like that is actually really important in <laughs> in the current Oko meta. <laughs> Oh, and Sorcerer's Spyglass is banned, of course. <laughs> yes, uh, you can't have Oko be answered that easily. <laughs> how many, How would you be able to turn all your opponent's commanders into Elk if they could just Sorcerer's Spyglass your Oko, Richard? <laughs> uh, all right, any other, uh, any other thoughts on any of these four bats before we answer some fish mail? Uh, no, let's go on to fish mail. So if you have questions, send them to at Goldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail. And we'll get to your questions on air. Should Watsi... Oh, loving board games. Should Watsi consider expanding card restrictions to formats other than Vintage? Would it be better than a straight-up banning? Thinking... uh, Think about allowing a one Field of the Dead in your standard deck. Hmm. I like the idea if... On one hand, I like the idea if it's used similarly to bannings where it's like very rare and infrequent but i think the risk is i don't really like how it plays in vintage because you're kind of incentivized to tutor up your restricted cards uh and it also makes for really swingy matches where it feels really bad if uh your opponent draws their one oko and has it on turn two off of their gilded goose it makes it kind of even more frustrating so i don't know uh and it also adds a lot more of uh just like a layer of complexity i guess to the game where you have to keep track of something i think bannings are pretty clean because they're just gone forever so uh, I wouldn't be opposed to trying it, but I'm not fully on board. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel Watsi's stance is they don't want to think about this, and they'd rather think about making the formats balanced. But I think it just does add complexity. I'm not sure that it really solves anything. Like, if you have one Field of the Dead, either the deck is still a deck or it is not a deck, right? Like Either you have ways to tutor up with Golos or you don't, and then the deck is gone. So it's effectively the same as a banning. So I I don't know if it's worth that complication. McCray Blackhand, what cards do you think influenced the exclusion of Innistrad from Pioneer? Lily? So what what do we have? We have Lily, we have Snapcaster, Snapcaster. Delver, Geist of St. Traft. What was our land cycle? Uh, Oh, they're the buddy lands, uh, right? Just the the buddy lands, yeah, Yeah, the enemy buddy lands. I think, I don't know if it's so much... uh, wanting to exclude Innistrad other than uh, just like you got to start somewhere like if you include Innistrad then why aren't you including Zendikar or whatever and why aren't you including Shadows of Innistrad so I don't know what the I guess logic is to the starting point uh, I can't really think of anything in specific that happened at Return to Ravnica block that would make that the starting point but I don't know. I think it's more just that you have to, you got to choose a starting point somewhere and return to Ravnica is as good as anything else. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of modern staples in that block. So by chopping it there, A, you lower the price of the format and B, you make it different from modern. 
Because if you have Lily, Delver, Snapcaster, like it's starting to look Ooh. a bit like modern, right? And I guess that doesn't even include if you're starting with Innistrad, you're adding all of Innistrad blocks. So then you're yeah. also getting like Hunt Masters and Grave Crawlers and Grizzle Brands and Cavern of Souls. Yeah. So, so yeah, I guess I can see that argument too. A good way to di- uh, differentiate the format from modern. Uh, BJ Cruz 7291. I started playing Magic a lot when Arena first came out. I do decent, but when I play FNM in paper format, I get flooded or have no lands. I think it may have to do with shuffling. Do you have any shuffling tips without bending the cards? Hmm. You do not want me to answer that question. So I, I would say if you're playing best of one on Arena, the game actually like messes with your hands so that it gets more balanced. So if you play traditional, which is best of three, it should be the same as if you shuffled in paper. Uh, so in best of one, they mess with your hand. So that wouldn't be the best way to look at it. But compared to best of three, and if you still see it to be very different, I think the standard way is just mash shuffle. You just like split your deck into two and then mash it together. Uh, and then just do that. I think seven times should be sufficient. I think that's the agreed upon number for this. Uh, and just practice yeah, I think shuffling. That's right. And if you're worried about bending your cards, sleeve up like basic lands or something and practice so that you don't bend your cards. I hadn't thought about the best of one thing. That is a really good point that it does kind of sculpt your hand uh, in a way where you have a good mixture of lands and spells and you don't get that in papers. So that is a really good point. Uh, Nigrim Matthias, should Gruul deck still main deck Embercleave now that Field of Dead is banned? I always find it to be clunky and bad against Teferi. Gruel decks. Yeah. What are those? Yeah, I don't <laughs> those, know. Those don't have Okos. <laughs> Should we still be playing Gruel decks? I don't know that they're good against Oko. Yeah, I I don't think Embercleave is as exciting without Field of the Dead. I think that Embercleave was a good option uh, for beating Field of the Dead. I I don't think it's a bad card, and you can still just jank people out with it. But I think uh, it does lose a decent amount of appeal, uh, and I think the entire Gruel deck actually loses a decent amount of its appeal without Field of the Dead around, because the whole, like, concept of that deck with the hasty creatures, uh, evasive creatures, Embercleave, was to get through the zombies of Field of the Dead. Uh, And from what we saw at the Mythic Championship, the Gruul deck actually got pretty, like, owned by Oko food-style deck. So I just, I don't think I would play Gruul at all right now, Uh, but maybe that'll change in the future, uh, as Standard hopefully gets a shake-up. All right. Uh, at Diska, with the introduction of Pioneer, will you be revisiting old budget decks and adapting them to include new cards, specifically asking about Mono Blue Aetherflux Storm deck? Ooh. Um, I really want to re-experience some of my favorite old budget magic decks and much of brew decks in Pioneer, so... Yes, and I think maybe what I'll try to do first is uh, maybe just do an article of updating some budget magic decks for Pioneer, so maybe I'll try to get that out first, and then over the course of time, I'm sure we'll revisit a lot of them uh, in video form, too, assuming that Pioneer content is popular and it's something people want to see. All right, JC Thacker 21 would you personally be interested in drafting Pioneer sets again if Watsi released them on Arena? What if they did one best of set for each block that you could draft and get staples from. What? What? Oh, what if they did one of the best set for each block? I think that'd be pretty good. I think, like, say, like, in between every standard set release, they released an old set on, on Magic Online, on, on Magic Arena. And over time, maybe a year or two, you'd have all of Pioneer. Yeah, I think that would uh, be pretty interesting. Uh, the only thing I would say is, I don't know how it would work with the bot drafting. I don't know where where they're going to gather their data for 
how the the bots make their picks with formats that wherever are they current. gathered it for the new formats right like I, I don't know like how do they do it for eldraine i always assumed it came from magic online but i, I guess i, I, I don't just assume the they downloaded lsv's limited set review <laughs> like stuck it in there and they're like <laughs> wait 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 just rare draft everything make sure no rares get by like pick three and then that's it so but it's free <laughs> content be- right it's like literally their dream right like all they gotta do is code it up like they they don't have to spend the r d and the the play testing or anything to do any of these sets and they get to just release them they get to recycle content like i don't know why they're not doing it but it's like free for them and they end up with pioneer on arena which would be huge yeah squid max one ever since arena came out standard attendance at my lgs has tanked and i kind of don't want pioneer on arena so i can keep playing there would you be okay with pioneer on arena if it kills lgs attendance uh, hmm that's a that's a tough one. I don't. Do you think that Arena has hurt LGS attendance? I think I've it heard has. Like, I, I think do you it, think so? So I haven't played Paper Magic since Arena's come <laughs> out. I, I think it has to do with how close you are to an LGS. Like for me, it's thirty minutes to an hour to get to my LGS one way. So I could just sit home and play some leagues, or I could brave the traffic. You know, pay double the price because I got to pay Paper and Arena. And then play, or I can just sit at home and be antisocial, right? So, but it, you know, if my LGS was like five minutes down the street, yeah, I would totally go there and play, right? So, I, I think it depends how far you live from an LGS and how easy it is to get there, whether Arena kills it for you or not. I, I guess that kind of makes sense. I I have a long drive to LGSs as well, and I'm kind of in the same place. I think I don't think worrying about LGSs is a reason to not put Pioneer on Arena. I would say I'm not sure that it's going to kill LGSs or anything to uh, to have the format on there. But I think in this day and age, Wizards is kind of going fully forward with uh, digital. And I think you just got to have Pioneer on Arena, regardless of the consequences to paper. Yeah, I think they need to think out their long-term strategy of not having paper and Arena like eat into each other. So, like, maybe you have special events at LGSs or you get exclusive paper things or something, and then that should be independent of whether they release, you know, their content on digital or not, right? Because I think they should have Pioneer on, like, anything you can play in paper, you should be able to play on Arena and vice versa, right? Anything on Arena, you should play in paper as well. And I, I think we're seeing Wizards doing a little bit with, like, the Command Fests and stuff. I think maybe that's the direction they're going to try to head with paper is more uh, like delve into commander which is something you really can't do on arena or even on magic online that well because commander is such like a social game so that's kind of what i expect is paper to keep pushing more and more in that direction and then have uh, more of the like spiky formats beyond arena and magic online all right uh at bicycle Crim's article about Pioneer has decks costing about $550. Standard decks cost $300 to $700. Modern's average was just under $1,000. If Pioneer costs the same as Standard, why play Standard? If it spikes to modern prices, why not just play Modern? Um, yeah. Why play Standard is a a good question these days. (laughs) (laughs) I've been asking myself that for the past week or two. I I think the answer is right there, right? It's not really... So price is a factor, but it's something beyond price, right? It's like the play experience, right? Like what does it feel like when you play standard? Uh, And if it feels just like 
pioneer, then why play standard, right? Why just play this non-rotating thing, right? But like right now, when you play modern, it feels totally different than playing standard, barring Oko aside, right? Like one is like, you know, like very powerful cards, turn three, four kills, like very fast. One is like mid-range grind fest. So what does Pioneer feel like and is it distinct enough from these other formats? And I I think it is, at least so far, I have felt like it is. It's definitely more powerful than standard. It's definitely slower than modern. Having fetch lands banned definitely makes it feel different from modern because you can't just splash a fourth color in whatever deck you want to play or whatever. So I feel like it's hit that mark so far, but again, we'll have to wait and see. But I think you're right. That is the reason you play Pioneer because you enjoy how Pioneer plays or you want to like experience the nostalgia of reliving uh, decks that you played in standard a few years ago. I think that's the main draw from the format, even more so than prices. Yeah. MTG pack foils. Could Watsi provide errata for Oko to where the abilities are plus one, minus two, minus five? Ooh. I think paper prohibits that. I think, well, one thing, Wizards has traditionally not done power level erratas. That's just uh, kind of their rule is you don't change cards because they're too powerful. They're either okay or they're banned. Uh, so that's one kind of stumbling block, I guess. And then... Uh, yeah, and then the other issue is it makes it really confusing in paper, basically. Uh, it, once you change a card, it's changed forever, so you have some new player that picks it up for Commander 10 years down the road and maybe didn't even hear of the errata, so I think it's just so difficult because of paper. We kind of talked about it earlier in the podcast, but paper puts Wizards in a really hard position when it comes to cards like Oko. Yeah, I, I think like the only times you errata cards are when they don't work correctly. Um, like, uh, oh, what is hostage taker? But I don't know. Like, here's the thing, right? They errata old cards all the time, though. Like, they change creature types, right? When you play Lord of Atlantis, it says, like, I don't know what it says. Summon it is, Lord. Summon Lord or something, right? And then, like, if you're a new player, you're like, oh, what is, is are you sure that's a Burfolk? Did they get pumped? But, you know, there's an argument to be said that if you're playing modern, you're an advanced player or something, right? Or if you're playing with like these super old cards, you're an advanced player. So that's just part of knowing it. So maybe they can do that with the old cards, but new cards, like, no, right? You're supposed to show up to the store, open the pack, and be able to play without consulting, like, an online dictionary of, like, what are all the erratas, right? So, yeah, I don't know. They've done it before, but I don't think they should do it now, and they should probably just ban the card. Last question. Luke Symmetric, should Golos be banned from Brawl? Since the launch event, it feels like 80% of matches are against Golos. Really boring and annoying. Do you actually huh. play any Golos? I didn't play any Golos. I have not played against Golos a single time, honestly. Hmm, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like I said, I didn't play against Oko a single time, so maybe you just happen to get the the very Golosy heavy run of matchup somehow, like weird variants. So I don't maybe give it some more some more matches and and see what you think. Because maybe it was just like unfortunate that you ran into Golo so much. Yeah, it's also early, so everyone will just play whatever standard deck they had. So most likely it was Oko or Golos. So it'd be understandable if you ran into those more. But as Brawl continues and people are like, oh, this is a fun format, they will actually build other decks. That's all our fish mail this week. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have questions, you can send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. 
And I believe that that brings us to the end of episode 248 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard, thanks for hanging out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. You can get 5% off over at SpikesAcademy.com with the code GOLDFISH. So, we will be back next week to talk about whatever happens in the world of magic. Until then, this is the crew signing out. 